Hey everyone, my name is Brendan Patrick, and we've got a special guest today. Hello, it's me! <laughs> Your favorite uh, bisexual who just learned how to read. Thank God you finally learned how to read. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess we won't talk about Audible in this episode. <laughs> well, we can talk about it, and how about... Well, I don't know how to say words anymore. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> we're off to a great start. Um, but yes, my name is Brandon Patrick. This is Heavy G, and you're listening to Super Lit. Woo! Cue the music. Cut to the feeling. bi-weekly podcast pertaining to books about the LGBT community. Hi, Sophie. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I just finished reading the book literally five minutes ago. <laughs> Thank God. Reading is hard, y'all. I, uh, I, yes, that's why it takes me forever to finish the books. Yeah, we can talk about that. I had, I was a little bit of a struggle. <laughs> I can't wait to hear, um, how long did it actually take you fin- to finish your book? Um, not that long. I probably finished it in like a couple of days, but it's just, I'm so used to listening to audiobooks when I can just listen to books while I'm doing 8,000 other things. It was so hard for me to like sit down and be like, okay, you're reading now and you're just going to read a book and that's all you're doing. Would you say that audible.com makes it easier for you to deal with books? It makes it easier for me to enjoy all kinds of books about my favorite crime gaze and also multitask while working (laughs) on new art projects or while I'm at work or while I'm driving. So what I'm saying is that this is my official campaign to get Death Prefers Blondes as an audiobook because I want someone to read it to me now that I've read it. I want to hear it again, but I want a sultry drag queen to read it to me. Oh my God, imagine Shandala reading it. No, I don't want that. <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> so hallelujah, they like walk into the club. Hallelujah. I would fucking die. I'm screaming. Oh my no. God. Do we want to talk about the book we're talking about or just want to talk about everything else? Well, um, I get, yeah, you know what? Um, so I have a, a few things to discuss. The first thing I wanted to say before we actually get into the actual the the actual episode is that uh, we in the oh my god how do I do this I asked you guys on Twitter to get us to a thousand plays for uh, January to March and you actually did it <laughs> I didn't realize until today Good job guys <laughs> It was just me nine hundred ninety nine times. I knew it. Um, <laughs> but uh, we got to 1,000 plays. It's actually like 1,018. So thank oh you God. so much. Right? Um, oh, gosh. Uh, and I told you I would do a giveaway. So 
Sophie, how would you feel about giving away a Death Prefers Blondes book? Oh, yeah, I want to spread this all across the world. Everyone needs to read it. So you want to spread Marco around? Um, yeah, and all of my sons. We, I want to talk about them. They're all very good. I love them so much. I'm so glad that I forced you to get this book. Forced, gently suggested. You know, it's the same. Coerced, gently suggested, showed to your house, threw the book at you. You know, just like normal things. Um, but yes, uh, thank you everyone for doing that. So I will have an update on when we are doing that actual giveaway. And uh, I'm very excited that we actually were able to do that. I didn't, I never expect us to get like a lot of, I'm just like very bashful about talking about this, but it was very exciting to look at that today. And I was like, oh my God, wait, what? But yes, thank you so much about that. And uh, let's get into our favorite blondes. Um, <laughs> I was like, we normally start with you reading the... Do you like, want to read it since you have an actual book in front of you? Or do you want me to do it? Oh, I can, I can try to read it. I don't think I can. <laughs> <laughs> so glad that Sophie can read now. Uh, I'll attempt to read. We'll see if I can do this. I hate, this is my least favorite thing to do in high school was to read aloud. So, you know, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> I'm holding the book open myself so I can read along with the class. Reading the like inside flap, right? Cause the back is like an excerpt from the first chapter. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Proud of you. Love you. Um, Teenage socialite Margot Manning leads a dangerous double life. By day, she dodges the paparazzi while soaking up California sunshine. By night, however, she dodges security cameras and armed guards, pulling off high-stakes cat burglaries with a team of flamboyant young men. In and out of disguise, she's all in the headlines. But when Margot's personal life takes a sudden, dark turn, and a job to end all jobs lands her crew in a deadly peril, overnight, everything she's ever counted on is put at risk. Back against the wall, the resourceful thieves must draw their special skills to survive. But can one rebel heiress, four kickboxing, four kickboxing drag queens withstand the slings and arrows of truly outrageous fortune? Or will the mounting sea of troubles end them for good? I'm so proud of you. You only messed up once, and I mess up every two seconds. Uh, I blacked out. Did I do okay? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Did you go into Target when you were reading that? That's the only time I black out. <laughs> blackout. You come out with four more like uh, things that you didn't need. Twelve sheet masks you aren't going to use for months. Just like fifty dollars worth of things. I have one, two, three. I have three neon signs in my room. They were all purchased at Target. I went to Target on my lunch break with one of my friends. Because she needed to get, like, she, like, needed to get groceries or something. And she only had time on her lunch break. And I was like, oh, I'll go with you. She left with a purse she didn't need and snacks and forgot the things she needed to buy. And I left with a hat and a bag of chips. So. Wow. That's honestly, um, that's it. That is literally what Target's for. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about these little, these perfect little boys. Yes. Um, I can pull my phone out, but I really didn't take that many notes. Taking notes while you're actually reading a book is so much harder than taking notes when you're listening to it. Thank you for letting everyone know how difficult my job is. <laughs> um, 
The one thing I want to say before we get through everything, I wanted to discuss the main characters' names and their alter egos, um, just because uh, we might go back and forth between the their given names and their their like uh, stage names, if you will. So Margot Manning, who is like the main character of the book, her name is Miss Antropy. Am I saying that right, Miss Antropy? Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. And then Axel Moreau, his drag name is Lizel von Tramp. I Liesel, 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 because it's one of the uh, Van Trapp kids from South Yes. Music. Oh my God! Here I am. I'm all caught up. <laughs> Caleb's going to come to my house and set me on fire for not knowing that. Uh, <laughs> but um, I actually got him in a personality test I took online. <gasps> uh, yes. I want to do that. <laughs> I will send you the link for it. Um, it's actually really fun. Uh, Caleb actually did a bunch of different makeup looks for all of the different queens. And I've never, like, witnessed an author being that, like, hands-on with something. This is very exciting news that I will do as soon as we end this conversation. I'm going to actually know it. I'm going to do it now while you're... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. Um, It's on, I believe it's on Caleb's uh, Twitter page, which is, uh, I can't pronounce the the name that he has chosen. I believe it's... uh, Mikola Rorig. Um, I I can't. I'm I'm mispronouncing that because that's on brand for me. Um, but uh, the other kids' names, uh, Joaquin Moreau, who is actually Axel's brother, his younger brother is Anita Stiff one. <laughs> and then is it Leaf Dalby? Um, I think it's pronounced Leaf, and I'm only saying that because. One of my coworkers' name is spelled that way, and he says it's Leif. So, so he's not pronouncing it like Leif Erikson. No, he doesn't. But you know, I'm only now. saying Leif Erikson because of that one SpongeBob episode. Happy Leif Erikson Day! Yeah, so we're gonna go. <laughs> it uh, it's how does your friend pronounce it? Leif. Leif. Yes. Leif Dalby. His drag name is Electra Shocks. Um, it was really hard for me to not say Electra Heart. And then uh, Devon, De- Devon, Devon, Devon. Uh, I was reading it as Devon, but only because my brother's name is Devon, and it's not spelled like that at all. So it was that's like, what this- I was actually thinking. Oh my god! <laughs> I love that I'm always thinking of your brothers. Um, De- uh, Devon Stokes uh, is Dior De- Dior Galore. I liked his drag name the most. Um. I think it's because mm-hmm. it's, it rhymes and it's like Dior Galore and it's like very like bougie runway bitch. Like love that. I think I liked Joaquin's the most because he was my favorite. And also because I love a drag name. That's a pun. But I just wanted to get those out of the way just because um, I think that's a, a really important thing to know. Like their actual drag names. I wrote them down at the beginning of the book. Like when I was taking notes, uh, I only took, literally like one page like i have long sticky notes so they're about like if the book is the size of like a normal book um they're about like three-fourths of the length of a book so i like using those because i can uh you know use one of those as opposed to 15 different sticky notes and i filled up like the first part of that with their information and it made it so much easier for me because i'm dumb and i forget people's code names and the cool thing about the book uh, for me, 
I did a pre-order and I got a um, little, it's like a, it's a bookmark. There's also a book. There's like a few different things, but one of them is like an illustration of the drag queens themselves. And I believe that Caleb actually made the like little doodle and I love it. Oh my God. I want to see it. I will send you a picture of it. I'm actually going to post a picture of like the little swag that I got for pre-ordering the book. Um, when I post this episode, just because I've been holding off on it and I, I waited this long to do this book because I wanted like the book to be out so people could have like read it. We could have like an actual conversation about it. Um, and, uh, I didn't want us to be too spoilery because it was like a brand new book. Oh yeah. She's brand new. She's so new. She doesn't even have an audio book yet. <laughs> she's so new. She doesn't even have an audio book. Um, you're welcome. I'm so sorry about that. That was one of the, one of the like first notes I have was like, because I, cause literally when you were like, Oh my God, let's read this. And I was like, it's perfect. And then like the next thing, like two minutes later, I was like tweeting at you. Like it doesn't have an audio book. What do I do? Um, Sound help. There's no audio book. My first note was literally like, okay, but what drag queen would you cast to read this audio book? Oh my God. Okay. If you don't know, um, I, I think I tweet at Caleb like every 10 minutes. I'm, I'm disgusted with oh, myself. Yes, was, it's fine. He was in on this conversation. He was. He's, this is the thing I love about authors on Twitter. Like we are not worthy of them responding to us in any way, shape or form. And Caleb does. And he, he posted something the other day about like, the things that people are posting on twitter.com. And then the next tweet was like, uh, God giving out common sense. And then you, and it's that kid going, Oh my God, an avocado. Thanks. Um, and I responded to it. I was like, I understand that, um, I post a lot of dumb things on here and I shouldn't. And he was like, I'm really surprised at the amount of people who are responding to this and admitting to it. And I'm like, yes, I, I respond to authors, thirst traps, on my personal Twitter, I don't do it on the super lit Twitter because I don't want our Twitter, the Twitters, uh, commingling. When you accidentally thirst tweet on your public account, horny on main all the yeah, time. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> what what do the kids call it? I here's the thing though. I I both of my Twitter accounts are my main accounts. So like, what am I supposed to do? Ooh, you got to make another account. I don't know. But I also see authors that I follow liking like thirst trap pictures. And I'm like, I see you. Uh, this just in kids. Uh, my personality <laughs> quiz. <laughs> I got, you found it that fast. I found it and I took it while we were talking. Wow. I, I pay attention to my friends. Um, apparently I am Joaquin also known as Anita Stiff One, which is perfectly okay with me. He was my favorite boy. Oh my God, we're brother and brother. <laughs> sisters. Yes, we're sisters. Cheetah sisters. Um, I feel like, uh, so it's Liesl? Liesl. Liesl. I keep doing this. Uh, Liesl, because I see the word lie in it, so I'm like, he lies. Uh, Liesl. Um, so Axel, I felt like very, like I related to him a lot because he's, very angry and wants control of the situation all the time. And it's just like, fine, I'll do it myself. Very, like very much like that. And I'm very like that. And, uh, I, I feel like if we were related, I would probably do that to you all the time. And you'd be like, shh, please stop. No, I can handle things myself. Yeah. I'd be like, shut up. 
We're doing it. I'm not listening to you. I'm already walking away into danger. You can't stop me. I'm walking away into danger and watch me make out with my cute boyfriend. Thanks. Oh my God. There is so everything. This, okay, this book was like <laughs> too much high tension because there's like literally like heists happening where I'm like, oh my God, are they going to make it out of the building in time? Where's security? Are they going to do the thing? Oh my God, someone's going to get caught. But in the same moment, I'm also like, oh my God, are they going to kiss though? <laughs> are they going to steal the diamond and then kiss or beforehand? Right? I'm like, okay, well, so there's like I should this- <laughs> clarify we're not talking about Alex and Joaquin. No. <laughs> Alex? Not. Alex, why Axel, I called him Axel, <laughs> excuse you. I'm just going to go fuck off somewhere else. I want to talk about this book by myself. Great. Um, I al- so my other note that I had in here was um, this is probably uh, Caleb's like fastest paced story because uh, I find that in, in most books there's like a... a breathing period where I can like put the book down and be like, okay, I can pick this up and it'll like, there'll be another like over like an arc in the story. There'll be like another high point. Uh, this whole goddamn book is a high point. There is never a moment to relax. No. And it's like, we stole this diamond. Oh wait, we need to steal paintings now. And it's like, Oh my God, Margo, can you please calm down? And she's like, no, I want money. I need to do more things. I need to do bad. Um, so I have like a small problem that is only a problem just for me. <laughs> no, every problem that is in a book is only because you have a problem with it. I can't. What is it, girl? It's not really a problem, but it is like it has severely affected the way that I like interpreted this book <laughs> in that. The, my as forementioned, one of the characters' names is Joaquin, who is I love my perfect son. He's so good. I love him so much. But that is also the name of one of my favorite characters from Riverdale. And then <gasps> everyone became Riverdale oh, characters no. in my head. <laughs> Stop. Wait. Who is who? Um. Well. Okay. So Joaquin was just Joaquin, who was one of the serpents. Who was just like the one of the most beautiful men I've ever seen in my life. He has dark hair and like white blue eyes. And yes. I was like, you're staring through <sighs> my body. He has dark hair and such beautiful light, light, light blue eyes that make me want to die on the inside. Um, then uh, Margot's dad is named Harland and is like this like big like. There's all these like crime boss things happening and all of the parents are like super high powered like all of this shit is happening and i'm like okay so margo's family is basically just like the lodges so is she veronica and then her dad is hiram lodge what's happening and then i i couldn't like stop casting the actors from riverdale as characters in the book (laughs) it just like I am so mad right now. I'm so sorry. I just ruined this for everyone. We have to burn the book. No, um, that's actually really, that's very funny. Because you know you and I love talking about casting of characters if this was a movie. This book was very much written like a movie, though. Oh my god, it would be an amazing movie because it's so like high action all the time. Like It's so fun to read, though, because it's like one of those books where you like, you can't put it down. Literally, all the like the the problems I had with this book are not actual problems. They're just like whenever 
books are written like this where you have like multiple characters this always happens to me because i'll be like reading a part of a book and i'll be like okay this part's really good like this character's doing a thing and you're like you're really into it and then it like cuts and then you start like it starts talking about what a different character is doing so then like for the first like little bit of that what that character is doing i'm like oh no but i want to see what the other characters still do and go back to them but then by the time it like goes back to the first character I was worried about. I care about what the other character is doing. And the whole time I was just like, can I just read everyone, what everyone is doing at all times? I just, I need to know what's happening. I'm concerned for everyone. I think this book, because the, the it's funny that like, this still feels very much like Caleb because I read his other two books and this felt very much like him, but it was like, because this wasn't like a horror suspense, like thriller kind of thing. It was more like action thriller if you will the the style of writing is different but like at the same time i'm like is is this like the best thing that i've ever read from caleb rorick because uh i'm obsessed with his other two books they fulfilled categories of like styles of writing i didn't know i needed like gay horror thriller like what i didn't know i needed that until it happened and this like fulfilled like this idea of women and like drag queens working together and just like being like wild badasses and just like really kicking ass. And it's like, I didn't know I needed a book that had drag queens in it that were kicking ass and like addressed a lot of topics that I felt like I've had conversations with people about, about drag and like the pitfalls of drag and relationships. And it like put it in a book and I was like, wait a minute, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for this because this book is like, it's presented almost in like a fluffy, like this Paris Hilton heiress, like she has money, but she's stealing to be bad. And then it's like, well, why is she doing that? And it's like, you see these other people, like they actually need to do this to survive. And it's like, holy shit, this book is a lot more intense and in depth than I thought it was going to be. And it definitely doesn't present itself to be that. It's very much like a, here's a soft book, and then you're reading it, and the you just see the author laughing, going like, yeah, it's much more intense than you thought it was. Can I just, yeah, I felt like I went into this being like, oh, this is going to be a real fun book, and then I was like, oh, okay, like, okay, like, one of these characters has, like, a sad backstory. Okay, like, two of these, okay, so, like, three of the characters have, like, a sad <laughs> and then I, like... <laughs> I literally, one of my notes is like, finally, one of these boys doesn't have a tragic excerpt. Just kidding. Everyone is making me sad. The only, like, I have two quotes in, uh, in front of me. And one of them is from a security guard that says, you're just a kid. And uh, Margot is the one that the interaction with. And <laughs> these like one, like one-offs are like really great in this book. And it was, I'm kind of a problem child. And I was like, God damn it, Margot. Oh no. <laughs> she really leaned into the whole, like everyone thinks that I'm like a trollop thing. And she's like, yeah, you know what? You think that I know it's not true. I've lived my life the way I want to. And if that's what you think, I will lean into it. And she did it really well because she presented that and like use it to her advantage throughout the story. And it was just so funny because they spoke about it so many times in the book, and I'm just like, oh, Margo's about to do something, and they don't get it. You think by now they know, but here she go. Oh, there she go. Look, she doing stuff. Um, the other thing that I have in front of me that I wanted to talk about before we get even like further in depth in the book. So 
Caleb's first book. Uh, uh, last Scene Leaving? Yes, thank you. <laughs> I was about to look at the back of the book. Um, last scene I have leaving. the back of the book, like, next to me, so I just, oh, like, glanced perfect. over. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, because uh, I had, that was, a, this, I read that second. So I read White Rabbit first, and then I read uh, Last Scene Leaving. And um, Last Scene Leaving is, like, a, a the two characters that fall in love with each other is super cute. And for pre-ordering the book, you actually got like a little like one-off story that Caleb wrote about the two characters in that book. And it was so cute. And honestly, like what more could I've asked for from an author that is just like, you guys love it. Love this. I loved it too. I'm going to write this for you. Like it, like (laughs) my heart is so full because of Caleb Rorick. And I don't, I don't think he understands how great that is. We're just going to talk about how much we love him for an hour. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Okay, no, but it's tricky because I want to talk about the book, but also, like, every part of the book is, like, even, like, there's so there's, like, the big plot, and then there's, like, each kind of section of the book is, like, a heist, and, like, I don't want to talk about it because it's, like, you're you're reading it and you don't know what's going to happen or like if they're going to get away or someone's going to get hurt or something's going to happen to like one character or whatever. So I'm like, I don't want to talk about specifics of the book because it'll all be spoilers, but I really want to talk about specific parts of the book. So I have like spelled out in front of me, the things that I thought like we could discuss. Um, One of them was um, this is like non spoilery in the book. Devon and his drag mother, Georgia, um, they live together yes. and it's like really sweet. And Georgia, uh, is it Georgia, Virginia? I think her name is Georgia, Vermont, Georgia, Vermont. Yes. I love that. Um, Georgia has like a, an, an addiction problem where it's, I believe it's like drugs and alcohol. She has like a, like, and she's much older. She's in her fifties, right? Yeah. She's an old queen. She's my age. Um, <laughs> And she took Devon under her wing and basically gave Devon a place to like live and to flourish. And uh, Devon has been taking care of him for a while because uh, he's basically like drugged out uh, Georgia and uh, Georgia's drugged out, I should say. And uh, at a certain point, Georgia becomes sober and she like wants to stay sober and they have a very open conversation about gender. And it's a very small portion of the book, but it wasn't something that I expected to come up. But at the same time, with drag, it is very much a concept that and conversation that does come up a lot. Um, like, I know that through doing drag, for me, I've felt like more in touch with like me as a man, uh, because I've learned more about like my myself as a man doing things as a woman, which is like weird to say, because I don't, it's not like I magically become a woman, but we all know how that works. But, uh, and drag, like I've learned a lot about myself and, um, the conversation starts about how with, in the drag community, that is a thing that happens a lot. And I actually really appreciated it, how that was handled in a very tender manner. And it wasn't like a joke and it wasn't like, too soft and not actually like flushed out properly. It was done in a very, very amazing way. And I wasn't expecting that from this book because of what the book is about. It's about like jewel heists. And I didn't expect this to be a topic of conversation that comes up. And I was kind of hoping it would, but uh, 
I didn't expect it to come out of like a side character. And I was really glad that it did. I think every moment that like, like there's a lot of beats in the book that like, I was like, Oh, or like had a little, had an emotion, but like the moments where I was like, Oh no, am I about to start crying? Oh no. Are like the moments specifically with um, Georgia. Like the, I think like the first time after like the first big like heist that's in the book, they all kind of like go back to their houses and you get like a first glance at like what, who they actually are. And like, I think like Devon just like walks into his apartment and just like says like, Hey mom, are you home or something? And I was like tearing up already. I was like, Oh no. I was like, no, this is, Oh no. It's so good. He calls, he calls Georgia mama and it just like makes my heart hurt, but in the best way, it's just very good. And I love their relationship a lot. The thing is with a lot of like mainstream drag community we get from RuPaul's Drag Race, which I don't necessarily find an issue with. I know a lot of people do, but RuPaul's Drag Race is not a drag show. It is a reality TV show is how I view it. And it just happens to have drag queens on it. This part of (laughs) this, here's some hot tea. This part of the book actually shows you like what it is like in a community where like it shows different forms of acceptance and you know axel and joaquin's house they are accepted by their mother it seems like i i i would say that right um yeah there's never there's never a moment of tension between them and their mother regarding anything involving like their sexuality or anything the only the tension that's in their like family is between the two brothers and then like axel and his dad mostly Yes, and I think it's because um, their mother was a, uh, a performer. Yeah, she's. I I want more of her because I feel like she was like a very quiet background character, and I feel like she had such a strong influence on Axel and Joaquin that I was like, "Give me that backstory. Give it to me now." I would have really loved to have like a full flashback scene of them both learning to do. I, I believe it was trapeze stuff that she did. Um, a full like flashback of that. They did touch on it a little bit. It would have been cool to see more, but like, I like the short amount that they gave us. Mm-hmm. But back to what I was saying, um, you get like different levels of like what it could be like in a home with a, a young LGBT kid and uh, Axel and Joaquin, I think in terms of that, they don't necessarily have a struggle with their mom in that aspect, but uh I, I'm about to say Leaf, and I know I'm wrong. <laughs> Leaf? 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 I'm not sure. I mean, it could be Leaf. I just, when I was reading it, I was saying Leaf. I'm struggling to say Leaf because I'm thinking of Leaf Erickson, and it's because of SpongeBob, and I'm ruined as a person. But Leif, uh, he is not from L.A., and his school is there, and that's why he's in that specific area. And uh, his whole thing is revolves around his parents are very religious, and he can't be fully uh, himself around his parents. Like he can't come out to his parents because they will basically pull him out of school and make him go like absolve his sins. I believe that is like a huge thing that comes up in conversation with him and his parents and Devon. Um, his is like completely different uh, because of the passing of a specific parent. And it's not that he wasn't accepted by his parents, but like something bad happened and it, uh, 
he he just doesn't have a specific like um uh birth parent uh to take care of him can we just because full, full spoilers can we just hit that point where people if you haven't read the book i'm about to talk about some shit that you might want to just read the book first oh yikes no i just like i feel like this this whole book i'm like hesitant to talk about because there's so many moments that like affected me because they were like i wasn't expecting it yeah um i think we get we get to see like devon's like relationship with georgia before we hear about his parents and like there's he's like talking about it like him growing up when he was little and like getting into his mom's makeup and just being like oh this is like fun what's this this is like a cool thing and then like comes home like he's like at home by himself and he's like playing with his mom's makeup and does like a full face of makeup and then his like dad walks in and there's just like this utteral like just icy fear that like all like queer kids have and they're like well fuck and gay then panic it's like true like life-threatening gay panic and then the dad just kind of like laughs and is like this isn't my area. I'm going to go get your mom. And then his mom helps him do his makeup. And I like started crying. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah, that was, um, I didn't expect that, especially when, uh, <clears throat> his father is a mechanic, I believe. So like, uh, he, Devon knows how to like fix cars and stuff. Oh, and like the most masculine of like masculine tropes of um, like a person. Yeah. So he's, it's just like, it just builds up so much for like, oh, he's, like, he can't, this is why he's, like, in the space that he's in, this is why he's, like, living by himself, and he, well, he's living with Georgia when he's 16, and then, like, the scene happens, and I was, like, oh, my God, no, he, he was so good. Yeah, I didn't expect that to happen at all, and that whole thing with his dad being, like, let me get your mother to teach you how to do this right, because, like, honestly, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, and I think I actually laughed when that happened, because I was like, oh, this is like a breath of fresh air. And I'm kind of glad that their stories aren't, um, I think, like, so earth-shattering to me. Like, they all seem to, like, be heading in a good direction. Um, and I'm glad that it isn't something that it's like, oh, I sneezed the wrong way. And now I'm being sent back to, you know, wherever to get, like, pray the gate. Like, I'm glad that didn't happen. Because I read a book last year that I wasn't expecting that to happen in, and it did, and it mentally hurt me. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, like, a slight allusion to, like, the possibility of that with, like, Leif, but it's never... Yeah, thank um, God. It's it, Yeah, but there's, like, this, there's this, like, very good moment where he's, like, because he has, like, a moment where he's talking to his parents about it, and they're extremely religious, and he's like kind of thinking about the training that Margot gave them when they were fighting. And I think like the advice she gives him is something like you don't have to win every single battle. Sometimes you have to retreat to get like stronger to win the war. And oh, he's pick kind your of, battles. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, he's, that's kind of what he's doing. So he's like, I'm going to wait until I'm 18. And then when I'm 18, we're going to figure this out. And by that point I'll legally be an adult and I can't like, they can't pull me out of school. Like they can't stop me from doing stuff. So I think that's why like I, this book again was like something that I really liked because it, it showed the different facets of like how it could be 
Um, and I think Electroshocks is like, I'm just going to use his drag name from now on. Um, I think his family life, I think is the most, I don't want to say difficult because Dior's is very hard as well, but I think the fear of like, he has like a quote unquote normal family life, but he has to consistently lie to his parents all the time. Whereas like Dior doesn't necessarily have to worry about that. He just has to worry about Georgia. So they both have very difficult family lives. It's just like one is one end of the spectrum. And the other one is like uh, a kid taking care of his parents end of the spectrum, which is always like really difficult. And I applaud Caleb for, writing this in such a way that it's real and it doesn't, uh, it's, it's done in just such a good way that, uh, it was really refreshing to read, even though it's like really sad. I was upset the whole time, but I loved it. I loved being upset. (laughs) Um, yeah, it was very good. (laughs) I Uh, I feel like the, throughout the book, there's like this kind of like inkling of things happening, but definitely towards the end when all of the characters get closer together and you really see like Margot like stepping in to like um, help them. There's the more spoilers. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about like a big pop. Basically something. What is it? I'm trying to read like the inside sleeve. What does it say? Um, Per, her Margot's personal life takes a sudden dark turn when that part happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but there's just like this beautiful moment where she is like completely withdrawn and like, doesn't want to talk to anyone and like starts to almost like go into a depression. And then she ends up calling Axel and is like, I need all of the boys come to me. And they have like, basically just like a sleepover at our house. Who's which is just, like slumber party where there's some kissing and it was very good. Um, but it's also like just this like absolutely beautiful, like interpretation of a thing that I think is so personal and like specific to a queer community, which is chosen family. Yes. That is, and um, the the nice thing about this book is that uh, everyone is represent, like everyone is part of the community. So it's not like um, someone is uh, an outsider looking in. They are all part of the community, including Margot, which I really liked. And uh, in a minute, I'd love to know your thoughts on how she was written. But it's something that, again, in uh, in our most mainstream version of queer. like queer media, if you will, RuPaul's Drag Race, they talk about that a lot where it's like, we have the ability to have chosen family. And at that point, Margot has fully chosen this as her family. And they were all close before, obviously, because (laughs) they're all stealing, you know, things together. So they're like a little drag troupe, if you will. But at that point, I think Margot realized that like, this is her actual family and that she she needed them, and they were there, and they were willing to drop whatever they were doing to get there and to make sure that Margot was okay. And it was really heartwarming for that to happen because uh, it shows like how like friendships progress. And at that point in time, like it was past friendship. Like this is like these are my brothers, and I'm their sister. You know? Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know. But, yeah, I don't have anything else to say. I just, I, <laughs> I just, I love it a lot. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, as a, a queer woman yourself, how did you feel about Margot's right? Like how she was written? I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think I'm all here for like any time any author is like straight up like, hey, this person's bisexual. They're bisexual. They identify as bisexual because they date people multiple genders and that's what they do because there was like and there's like an illusion at the beginning where she says something like she's talking about another character that she which is also a woman who she like hooked up with and I was like okay like sure whatever and then there's like a throwaway line like a little bit later in the book or something where she's like yeah she's no she was bi and blah 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 I'm like yes this is good thank you thank you so much Thank you. And like she mentions a few different times, like the the women that she's been with, and like the men she's been with too, for that matter. And and there's no there, and there's like fine. a lot of good. There's a lot of good moments where she, um, well, they'll be like talking about like people around them, or like looking. They'll be like setting up for a heist, and they'll be like talking about things, and she's like describing like both like the male and female characters around as like various attractiveness. And it's just like, yeah, everyone's hot. It's, it's great. Everybody is hot. And so is Margot and she, uh, loves everyone. It's really, it's great. I liked reading her. I thought she was written really well because I, uh, when I actually emailed Caleb before, when he announced the book, I wanted to ask him if the book was going to be like a queer book. And he actually responded to my email. He, I can't say good enough things about him. Um, he responded, he's like, oh my gosh, yes, like, Margot's bisexual, the boys are queer, like, this, is and that, and I was really interested to see how he was going to write that, because uh, the last two books he did were, the main characters were male, and I wanted to see if it was going to be, uh, granted, none of the books I've really read this year um, have been the kind where it's like, a man, uh, clearly a man is writing this, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And uh, I thought it was written really well. I fully approve. She gets the bisexual stamp of approval. No, I think it does a good balance because there's like a there is hey you hit a point in the book where Margot meets a boy, and you're like they're oh. like the most apparently the most Adonis looking delicious man on the planet. My fan cast. Okay, first of all, his name is Dallas. So uh, like, just yes. Step Apparently, on in a also, cowboy boot. so you know how uh, Caleb describes like the the cologne he's wearing. Yes. I I tweeted at him and I was like, "How do I get that fragrance? I want to know what it is." And he was like, "Oh, it's Chanel. I think like there's one that I like specifically thought of, but like Chanel Blue has it in that." And I sent him a picture of the bottle I have. I was like, "Oh, good. I already smell like him." Perfect. Um, on the theme of. Riverdale because that's all I could think of when I was like seeing characters in my head okay his name is Dallas he is like a tall beautiful Asian man with very good dimples and the only thing I could think of was the actor who plays Reggie in Riverdale who is just like this beautiful tan man with perfect dimples and he's like very muscly and I was like you're Dallas there you are we did it we casted him is the actor that plays uh Reggie uh above the age of 18 I'm checking no yeah everyone in Riverdale is like 35 that's (laughs) wow yeah you're not wrong I'm talking about 
second Reggie because there are two Reggies yeah, <laughs> because they recasted Reggie. him after this first season. Because the other guy went on to be on a Netflix show, right? Uh, yeah, he was on 13 Reasons Why, I think. I don't know. I almost just uh, rolled my eyes audibly. Um, yeah, uh, he's very handsome, and I wanted to make sure that uh, I knew how old he was before I said that. Oh, he was born in 1991. Oh, he's from Alaska. I'm learning so much about this actor right now. He has wow. beautiful lips. Yeah, he, he really does. Everyone at Riverdale is hot. But um, <laughs> anyway. Sorry, I, didn't, I was no. thinking, I didn't mean to just like not no, respond to fine. that. You're fine. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about was um, as a uh, drag queen myself, um, even though uh, Miss Karma is currently taking a nap right now, she's not here because my beard is here. Um, I wanted to talk about, uh, how I think well-written, uh, the drag is in this story because it is very much like a positive conversation and it's not like the negative parts of the drag community that I think we see on RuPaul's Drag Race a lot. I'm sorry I keep bringing that show up, but like a lot of, that's what a lot of people think of when they think of drag now is that show, which is fine. Uh, right. I'm not I'm, like Jasmine Masters where I'm like RuPaul's Drag Race done fucked up drag like that's not that's not me but um, <laughs> we love Jasmine Masters um, no I yeah I don't this is a need to turn into a RuPaul's Drag Race uh, podcast episode but it does the thing that many things do when subcultures get brought into the mainstream it brings uh like very important subculture that like should be prevalent in everyone because everyone should know what drag queens are and be like celebrating that community but at the same time it creates like a hierarchy of things and builds like an elitism into the community that doesn't need to be there and the show itself is slightly problematic for various reasons but i think it's done more good than harm as yeah. a as coming from a person who is in the queer community, but not a gay man or a person of color, but that's my opinion. I agree. And I believe that Shangela should have won that crown, but we are not talking about that. But what I was trying to say is that I find that this is very much like a, um, well-written, like, uh, I don't want to say love letter to the drag community. Cause that's like not right. At the same time, it's very evident that Caleb very much respects the community or just drag queens in general, because the way that this is written is very much like these people have, they're very powerful beings and that they can do way more than they ever expected themselves to be able to. But I think that's also a nod to young people in general, because it shows that these young people can do something so difficult and they can even do something that adults couldn't do. And I think reading this book was just like so uplifting because it was a different kind of story. I wasn't expecting it. And it's a a take on Hamlet too. I don't know. You have the book. You actually, I'm not used to you having the book in front of you. So uh, it's something that you can actually look at, but like, I actually really loved that as well. And like one of my favorite chapters was uh, Margot waking up from being tased and saying like, I dreamt that I was Ophelia and I like actually imagine this like blonde woman on like a like being carried by these men after being like knocked out. And I was like, this is like a La Pieta, you know? 
I didn't even like clock that. I didn't even like think about that at all. Uh, Low-key Hamlin is like my least favorite Shakespearean play. But I did like when she was talking about that moment where she thought she was Ophelia, my immediate thought was like you. Because I know that you love that imagery so much. And I was like, this this is a good part for Brendan. He will love this. I definitely, I think the reason why I loved her so much, and I think another reason why I liked uh, Streetcar Named Desire, is that these these women are driven, like, at, like actually crazy by men, because these men are being so terrible to them. And another reason why I have that Marie Antoinette tattoo is just, like, you're placing all this blame on someone, and it's not their fault, and they're taking the brunt of it. And, like, I feel like a lot of female characters, like, that happens to them, and it's, they're, like they're stuffed into a refrigerator and it's just like different. And I, I respected the way that um, these people, especially for the majority of the book, like these four men identify as women for a portion of the thing when they're in drag. And uh, it's very, it's very much like women have the power in this situation. And it's just like, I think it was just like so empowering to read as a person and uh, the thing that they talk about again with drag is that like, it's very difficult in the drag community to do drag and to find a relationship that's like a healthy one and to have people respect you as a person and also you as like a performer. I've had that difficulty and I like that it was brought up and especially with like these kids are very young and they, they say that and I'm like, Oh, you, you get it. And you're a kid. And like Caleb must have like heard this over and over again. If he has queen friends that like, it's a difficult thing. And I love that these kids are like so in love with each other and very happy and very powerful. And like, they're almost like, I, they're like role models to me. Oh, it, this book was like truly, I think one of my favorite books that I've read by him. I think this is my favorite Caleb Rowick book. And I thought I loved white rabbit the most. And I thought I loved last scene leaving the most. And I think I just like Caleb Rowick's books. Because the content is always interesting and it's always like something I wasn't expecting. Yeah. I also, I mean, it's mentioned relatively early in the book, but I definitely for the first like chunk of the book really thought all the characters are a lot older than they are. And I was like, Oh no, they're all babies. They're like so small. Like they're all in high school. They're so, I want to protect them all of my crime sons. I just, yeah. I think uh, what, and I think, if I remember correctly, if I remember like reading this on his Twitter, he's had this idea. I think this is like his first idea for a book or he's had it for like 10 years and he's always wanted to publish this story and he wasn't like sure how to go about it. And when he finally did it, like, I don't know Caleb personally in any way, shape or form um, other than like him. Yeah. Yes. Um, Truly. He seems like such an interesting person. He's also wildly politically active. He's, he is almost like a literary role model to me. Uh, and I don't write books in any way, shape or form, but I think that the way that this book was written is really amazing. And I, I can't express that enough. And I'm really excited. He was actually able to publish this book because, um, this blends like jewel heist LGBT community, um, Shakespearean themes and like, uh, like uh Hollywood heiress like blend it all together and it came up with this and honestly like I can't I I don't know how he did it. Magic. Yes, I'm sorry that I'm really sappy talking about this book because it really touches on a lot of things that I feel like 
personally uh, are part of my life. And um, the conversations in this book about like gender and about like substance abuse that were like handled really well in it. Assuming this is like a YA book, I believe it is. Um, it, it just like does it really well and handles it with ease and grace. And I don't know why I expected anything else from Caleb Rohrig, but like, here we are. No, it's like one of those books where you pick it up and you're like, this will be a fun, nice read. And then suddenly emotions and you're like, Oh no, this is good. But that's like, that's what needs to happen. That's why, like, I don't know. That's like why Steven Universe is such a good show because people are like, oh, yeah, it's a show for kids. Yeah, but it has, like, sophisticated relationships between its characters, even more so than, like, shows that have been, like, on for years that are written for adults have. Like, kids live in the same world as we do, so, like, why wouldn't they experience the same things that adults do? Like, does it needs to, like, this kind of thing... Um, fits so well into like this like nice like pink covered book with like this fun like packaging it really the cover for this book is amazing and i also love they credit where the pieces of the cover came from so like each piece was taken from a different thing and they credit that like they credit the artists that make the pieces for the actual artists that made the book cover credit your artists give them all the credit give them all the money Give them all the money. Follow the account. We need the crowd to follow the account. <laughs> um, no, but you're talking a little bit about like it, this kind of stuff, like making you want to write a book. And I don't, I mean, I've always like sort of in the back of my head been like, maybe one day I could like write a book. Like that would be a fun thing. Cause I do really enjoy writing a lot. Um, but there are like two things in this world that make me want to write a book more than anything else in the world. And the first one is when I get very angry about someone doing something very wrong. And when it's like, you could have made those characters gay. You could have done this. You could have made this queer. Why didn't you? I'm just going to write this better and I'm going to make it gay. Or when something, when I read something like this, that is just like so much fun to read but so like layered and has so many beautiful elements and just makes me feel so good while I'm reading it. And I'm like, Oh, I want to write because I want someone to, I want there to be more of this in the world. Like I want to make this, the thing that this, the feelings that this book gave me, I want to create something that will give that feeling to someone else. That's actually initially why I started the podcast because, uh, you know, like I've told you like conversations about like, say like rainbow boys, I wanted to read that, but I was too afraid to do it. And doing it now as like an adult, like it really, I can't imagine how my life would be now if I had these books as a kid. And it's really important for these books to be made. And it is important for sad queer literature to be made, happy queer literature in the middle queer literature, horror fiction, like thriller things to be made for, an audience like us because we don't have that stuff. And I like, I can't imagine having like an idea and getting it on paper and publishing it and it doing something like just even one person being like, this book changed my life. Or like, thank you so much for writing this because it touched me for a B and C reasons. Like I, I, I'm so thankful that we have these books because I didn't really have something like this as a kid. 
And I can imagine that if you wrote something, it would be really interesting because you have a good point of view. And you've always been really like, you're almost like my, as a kid, you were almost like my conscious being like, Brendan, what about this? And you were always really good at explaining things to me in a way that was like, Hey, you thought this and that's not technically wrong, but like, what about this? And like, I feel like that if you wrote a book, it would be like something like that where it's like, Hey, here's the thing that was made, but what about this thing? And like, add, like put a queer twist on it. Like, I think that'd be awesome. You're going to make me cry. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> no, my robot heart. <laughs> but um, before that, those are all the things I wanted to talk about. I don't know if you have anything else. Um, I'm double checking my notes, but I think most of them, I just like, yeah, I just felt like all of my notes are either like, oh my God, this beautiful book, it's amazing. Or so this Riverdale character will be. (laughs) Wow. Amazing. Um, before we end completely, um, the things I got was a signed like card for my book. It's like a sticky thing. I forget what they're called. Um, and I got a little like square thing. It's almost like a bookmark too. That says death prefers blondes. Uh, watch out or these Queens will steal your heart. And it's little illustrations of the Queens and they all have different wigs and I love them. And then the last thing I wanted to discuss with you, um, we can't say specifically what happens. And I will delete the whole podcast if you do, but the ending, how did you feel? Oh, when everyone dies and... (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I have a note and it says, I finished the book and I audibly said, oh, bitch. I didn't say that out loud, but I felt the oh, bitch in my heart because I was like, (laughs) you, you know, because the whole... Okay, my literally my like my last note that I have because I like hit halfway through the book and I stopped taking notes because I was just like I have to finish this book I have to finish this book. The last book or the last note I have is like you made me care about all these boys and then you just gave me a bunch of things about what Margot's doing and like I love her she was great but there was literally like I mean big plot is happening. Important things are happening, but there was just like a chunk of time where I was like, okay, but is Joaquin okay? Can you just, can I know about this? What is he doing? Is my son okay? And like the last part of the book, I was like, okay, but give me more though. So that I still like that whole, the whole book is just me being like, okay, but give me more though. And I just, I want more. (laughs) Did that make any sense? I felt like I just rambled. No, I, I think it made sense because, um, who knows? Maybe Britney Spears' Gimme More will happen. Oh my god, yes. I'll, I love also, this is entirely not at all what we were talking about, but who's the... Leaf's the driver, right? Dior... The, uh, no, uh, Devon no, Stokes. Devon's the getaway driver. Dior, oh, right, yeah, Dior Galore. For, for, I, they're, they're, their characters are completely separate. Like, they're their personalities are very distinct, but for some reason I kept getting their names confused with each other. If that makes any sense. Like I kept thinking, that's why I wrote them down because I felt the same way at the beginning of the book only because it was the beginning of the book and I didn't know, uh, better. Um, at the, like, as the book went on, I got, I got more acquainted with them, obviously. And I'm glad I wrote down the names because, uh, having this conversation with you obviously is easier. And, 
they switch in and out from using their drag names and also their like uh their I guess their actual names. And um that is something that I have found that um people when talking to me, my drag queen friends will call me by my drag name and then my friends will call me by my actual not that you know they're not my friends, but friends I know outside of drag will call me by my actual name. And for the longest time, I am not shitting you. I did not know Jaja, her actual name. I did not know her actual name. I still name. don't know Jaja's actual name. Exactly. But everyone knows what my real name is because when I introduce myself, I'm like, I'm so in, I'm Miss Karma. You can call me Brendan. I don't care. I've, <laughs> I've always done that. But I do find, and you can disagree with me, I think I'm very, like, I behave differently in drag than I do as a person. Well, your tits are normally out when you're in drag and then (laughs) (laughs) no, but I feel like, okay. So this is like, kind of goes back to, um, Georgia's character because there's like a very distinct moment where you kind of like get to see a little bit of, um, you hear a little bit of Georgia's backstory and before even that, um, she has a conversation, um, with Devon, there's a moment where I think Devon just kind of like thinking about her and is basically like, she's Georgia. She will always be Georgia in and out of drag. She's Georgia. That's just who she is. That's who she embodies. Because like, even if she's not like full drag, like wig, makeup, everything still like wafting around the rooms and like these like silk robes, like she's always described wearing like silk robes and slippers and just giving me like so many very good, like Nathan Lane from the birdcage vibes. Yes like a perfect a good old queen who like i know gives really good hugs like oh my god yes can you imagine the mama hugs but i think there's like a distinction between like that kind of drag queen where like you they're they're just another entity on this planet they are like they're not they've like ascended they're like beyond human beyond gender like they're not they just are this like beautiful creature they've created and then there's like people who are more like you who like Brendan and Miss Karma are very distinct, like, people. And when you're Miss Karma, you're Miss Karma. And when you're Brendan, you're Brendan. And, like, yeah, it's, you know, there's, like, elements of each of you and each other, but you're you're distinct from each other. So I feel, you know, so, like, I feel like there's certain drag queens that I'm like, no, you will always, you are that drag queen. That's who you are. You, this is what you are. And then there's other people who are like, here we go. This is, we're separate creatures. Yeah, like Jinx Monsoon is Jinx Monsoon all the time. Oh, well, yeah. And, but they're also have like openly talk about that a lot because just having like being like on the genderqueer spectrum, I think, has a lot to do with it also. Just like that part of the drag community where you, some people treat it as a job, which is like a, fine. Some people treat it as like, you know, like a very important part of their personality. And some people are like, no, this is just who I am. I'm a performer, but I'm always on. You know what I mean? Does that I make had, any sense? No, it does. Cause I had, I had girls. So when I was in Frankie's Foxes, I had girls, I was always the only one still in full face, full everything dancing with people after the show. I had a girl on the, in the Foxes that the minute the show was done, like ran off the stage, melted her face off and was back in like boy, everything within like 10 minutes. And I, I never liked doing that because I never wanted to come off as like, this is just a job for me because it was fun for me. It was something that I'd like to do. It's 
it was an outlet and it definitely gave me more confidence as a person. I don't think that I ever would have worn a speedo to that beach in California granted, which was muscle beach. So everyone was like, you know, ripped. And I'm just sitting here like, I'm a couch potato in a speedo and a sexy couch potato. Thank you. But like, I wouldn't have had the courage to do that and to like love my body more if I hadn't done drag because it was so easy for me when I was in drag to not have to pad because I am a curvy dude. And I think that like that opened up the door to be like, you need to love yourself more because when you're in drag, you love yourself. And it's not that I want to change anything about like Brendan other than like, I need to be more accepting of myself. And Miss Karma definitely opened that door because she, I think is a different person than me in terms of the way that she behaves because, uh, I, again, I would have never been able to go out dressed the way that she has. Yeah, I think I've never done drag, but I think there are a lot of elements of how comfortable I am with myself now that I, I mean, I'm obviously like an, a, more of an adult now than I was when I was like a teenager. So that's just part of it is just kind of you, you grow up a little bit through experiences and what have you. But I feel like I have, I feel more comfortable in my own body than I did when I was younger because I used to do a lot more cosplay. And when I was doing cosplay, I was not myself. And I think it's the closest thing to drag I've ever done. But you have, and they talk about this a lot in the book too, where they use, you use drag as, an, as armor and you have this costume as armor. And then you get comfortable in your body but with you still have protection and then it just slowly starts to like transition and like seep into your actual self and how you present yourself every day. And I think maybe that's like an element of drag that I could sort of relate to without ever actually having doing drag. I don't, <laughs> I do believe that cosplay is drag. Even if you are a woman cosplaying a woman, like when you did Yoko, that was drag. Like you did, wig, oh, well, you just... did lashes, you did makeup and you were a kid and you weren't like a crazy makeup person then. Like you, oh, I no. think you know more now about me. We both do now. I could listen. Could, I could bust out like one. I'm still one day. I'm going to do some like crazy ass. Like I, I'm still doing like season finale. Yoko. one day in my life. I'm going to do it. But yeah, that's like the thing. I mean, also just like in the last couple of years, like knowing you and like going to more drag shows and like meeting like a bunch of other um, drag queens through you. Like, I didn't know, I didn't know hyper queens existed until like, you know, a couple of years ago. And then I'm just like, suddenly like, Oh shit. Like, but gender's fake and not real. And all of this is insane. But like, you could literally just, you can do whatever the fuck you want and it, it doesn't matter. No, exactly. And I think that's, that's the thing that like drag is definitely an armor and it does teach you self-appreciation because uh, for, for me, at least it did. It taught me to appreciate my male body even more and uh, because of the things that it helped me do when I was, you know, in lady form, if you will. And, uh, I, I definitely learned like more self-worth by doing it because performing and seeing like, Oh, I'm good at this. Like, this is something that I'm good at and I can actually do. And people seem to like it. Like, I know that 
that shouldn't affect my self-worth. But it, at the end of the day, it did because I felt more confident. I felt like, oh, I am a, I am a badass, you know, drag queen. I'm a, a bad bitch. Um, but it made me feel like I could take that energy into being a dude and not be like, you know, frat, frat boy douchey about it. And I, I feel more confident as a person because of it. And when Axel is wearing like the, the red nail polish, when, you know, uh, he's doing a specific task as a boy, uh, I definitely have related to that when like I've put on like, say my eyebrows and I feel much more confident because I, I then like the way I look and it's just like, it's almost like I have this karma there going like, you can be confident. You are a beautiful person. You have the ability to do this. Even if it is something little as like filling in my eyebrows as, you know, as sharpied on as possible and just living my life. Um, no, I feel like, especially recently I've been feeling like, I know I, I feel like I talk about it a lot where I, I fluctuate where I'm like, I'm feeling a little femme today. I'm feeling like a little bit masculine today. And, and I've definitely been leaning more into like masculinity as just like a style for myself, but I feel so much more confident. This sounds, this sounds insane. I feel so much more confident when I have my brows filled in and they're like really big. And I feel like I do my makeup. So I have like a little bit more of like a masculine look and it just makes me feel like so much more empowered and be like, fuck it. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, and it's just this element of like, I'm putting this armor on. This is like who I am today. And I feel more confident and more capable of handling things. You putting on, face makeup is the equivalent of me having my facial hair because I feel better about the way that my face looks and I feel more confident because I like the way my beard looks. And when you fill in your eyebrows and put on lipstick, it's the same thing. A beard is literally like male contour and lipstick, you know? I feel so much more confident when my beard is fully grown out and I really (laughs) shaped it. You do have quite the, quite the full beard, madam. No, but I love, like, I love filling in my eyebrows and I love, like, making just, like, even, like, little things because, like, I still have, like, acne or whatever and just putting on a little bit of makeup and, like, making my skin evil and then, like, drawing on freckles is one of my favorite things to do. I love it so much because it just makes me feel like a, like, I'm a, like a little, like, anime character or something. I'm just, like, here I am, world. This is what I chose to look like today and I feel better and it's just... I don't know. Just trying to channel my inner drag queen. I think we've learned a lot about ourselves through drag, even if it is. And I, I do, really do consider cosplay to be drag because the sometimes the makeup that like cosplayers do, I'm just like, okay, first of all, let's talk about that wispy lash, ma'am. Like, honestly, it's really interesting. And uh, to go back on the topic of like the actual book, I really need everyone to go out and buy this. And if you have purchased it, please leave an Amazon review for Caleb. I know I'm going to because uh, I need more books like this to be made. And I think that's something that we all need to do. If we love a book and it's by, you know, a queer author, we need to do more supportive things like actually leave the comment because purchasing the book, obviously amazing, but like going out and doing that really does help, especially, you know, if they're, the person that decides if they get to, you know, publish another huge book looks at that and goes, Oh, well you don't have enough Amazon reviews like that. I think that's crap. That they do that. But the, 
I I will personally be leaving a uh, strongly worded comment <laughs> for uh, my Amazon review. And I, I I had such a good time reading this book. I had such a good time talking about it too. Like bring like people be like, oh, what are you reading now? And I'd tell them they'd be like, drag queen jewel thieves. I'm like, I know, right? Like what? Like what? I can't even express to you how much I'm loving this book. And I'm so sad that I'm done with it. I guess the only thing left to do is harass Audible until they make an audiobook version of it. And then I can review the narration of the book. I have no problem throwing my hat in the ring for any of the voices. I'm trying to think about who Miss Karma could be. I don't know. If there's a TV show and I'm not cast as a background drag queen at any of the drag shows, I will scream. Like, I would probably die. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, you definitely would need to be in the show that um, Axel and Devon are in. 100%. What is it called, Mary? I really can't remember what it's called. It might just be Tuck, Mary, Kill. Instead of fuck, it's Tuck, but here no, I am. it is. Oh, it is? Yeah, it's Tuck, Mary, Kill. Oh, it is? Yeah. I, I was right it. the first time. Oh, yeah, I, I just found the part where... I open to the part where Devon is like talking about how Georgia has only ever been Georgia. Yes. Yeah, so, um, if I'm not one of the Queens in the background of Tuck, Mary kill, um, I might die because, uh, Miss Karma deserves her Netflix debut. <laughs> I want to see the, I, I love this book. I want to see it. Like in, it would be such a, it would be an amazing movie. It would be such a good show because there's so many like twists and turns and like cliffhangers and like everyone's beautiful and it's great. Seriously. And honestly, I think this would be better than that Netflix cartoon drag with super drag. I, I never want to hear about that again. Um, the super drag thing. Yeah. That cartoon. Uh, yeah. I never want to hear about it again, but, um, we didn't bring it up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, that's all I have in this book. Uh, go out and buy it. Please give it an Amazon review. Let everyone know how much you love this book. Sophie, do you have any closing thoughts? I love it. It's great. Um, my perfect sons, everyone's beautiful. Just read this book. It's very good. (laughs) The villain in this is like truly amazing, like grade A supervillain. Um, I truly think anyone could enjoy this book. It is really funny, really well written, really uh, smart too. Like it, it does a lot, and it's less than five hundred pages. It's beautiful, and I just had one more quick thought: is that all of the female characters are fantastic. I completely forgot that besides Margot, who's a beautiful main character, a secondary character who is like the scientist who helps her and is like extremely intelligent. Yeah. The person is also a lady. It's so good. There's a lot of strong females in this. And I want the redheaded, um, woman from Russian doll. I'm forgetting her name. I want her to be the, uh, Russian maid. Natasha Leone. Yes. I want her to be the Russian maid. Sounds perfect. I support it a hundred percent because she would bring and like enough, like what the fuck are you doing to the table that like, I want that to happen. It would be perfect. Um, 
yeah, everyone read this book. Everyone make the friends read this book. Read this book to your friends. Read this book to your cats, your dogs, or your lizards, or whatever various pets you might own. I don't know. Dress up in drag and read this book to children. <gasps> oh my god, could you imagine? If I ever get picked for reading to children, it's going to be this. <laughs> it would be spectacular. All right. Well, um, I think that's all we have for the day. Um, my name is Brennan Patrick. And that's Sophie G. And you've been listening to Super Lit. <laughs> <laughs>